For many children, Daniel in the Lion's Den is one of their favorite bedtime Bible stories. Maybe your parents use this story to help you calm down and go back to sleep in the middle of a scary thunderstorm. As our study leader Dave Wurtson teaches from Daniel 6, I believe God's Spirit wants to use this story in the midst of some of the storms we are facing to teach us how Daniel learned to sleep with the lions. I can't sleep. Have any of you ever put your head on the pillow and you pull the sheets up? Maybe the sheets have just been freshly laundered. You even hung them outside so they smell marvelous like the beautiful fall air. And yet four hours later, you're still struggling to go to bed. Now, if the next day you're going to be playing in the homecoming game, or if the next day you're going on a trip elk hunting, your very first elk hunting trip to Colorado, then this sleeplessness is a sleeplessness of joy. It's a sleeplessness of anticipation, right? But I don't think that's the kind of sleeplessness that some of you have been having. You know, it's one thing when they talk about Wall Street crashing, but when I get my financial statement and it doesn't even include the crash, and I lost $1,000 that I thought I had gained. Anybody had that happen recently? All right. Then it's not in the sweet by and by. It's not out there somewhere. It's very real, isn't it? I was having breakfast with a guy on Thursday, and he, he shared how he worked for the Dallas school system, and he was one of those that got let go. Contrary to some of the precious teachers that lost their job, he was kind of thankful. But he's telling me that one of the basic causes of the problem is that they average the teacher's salary in every school. And there's hundreds of schools and thousands of teachers. And they, they blew it by about two or $3,000. Multiply that by the number of teachers, and guess what? Voila! You're over $60 million over-budgeted. And teachers lose their job. When you lose your job and you got kids to feed and you thought you were just getting going in your career, you can't sleep. All that's going on in Wall Street and all that's going on in the job market in Dallas, and just to encourage you a little bit, you're in the number one job market in the whole country. So don't despair too badly. I don't know how long it's going to last, and nobody else does either. And if you want to move to Houston, they're number two. I was at a meeting where I thought we were going to stand up and sing the Yellow Roses, Texas, and secede from the union, but we didn't. They hung on to the stars and stripes. Some of you that are sitting here, the economic crisis is nothing. For example, Bill Dyer is not able to be with us. I was praying with Bill Brashears with a group of men on Thursday night. And the economic crisis doesn't mean a whole lot to Bill right now and what he's wrestling with with these tremors. And while I was at Bill's praying with him, Lane called me and said the ambulance just rushed Bill Dyer to Parkland and he'd had a stroke. Bill Dyer has been in our church family almost from the beginning. When I first met him, he was a hard-nosed didn't really want to walk closely to the Lord, had had some bad experience, and the Lord powerfully worked in his life. He ended up working on our WANA program. He directed our child care for a time. The Lord just powerfully used him. Bill has an incredible story. He got very angry, and he walked away from the Lord, and, and Bill and Beth are an incredible story because they're an example of someone that got angry at God's people because of 
things that happen, and they do. But they came back. And the Lord's been prayerfully using Bill. In fact, he, he looks forward to Monday morning. And yet, as I walked into the intensive care ward, Bill had a really lousy night. And the really cool thing is that he did recognize me. He wasn't able to pronounce Babs' name, but they pulled the, the tube out of his throat, and the first thing he said was, Dave, I'm sorry, forgive me. I say, what are you asking forgiveness for? You know, he said, I can't believe you had to come here to visit me. And I say, man, hang on, that's fine. But the Lord gave me a moment of grace where a guy that I thought would be in the jaws of a stroke was able to talk to me. This is real life in the last few days. And what I want to teach you today is I want you to learn how to sleep with the lions. See, very few of you are going to be thrown into a pit with real lions, unless you're a lion tamer. But you've all learned the story of Daniel from the time we're little boys but, uh, and little girls. But I want you to know that you have real lions, the lion of losses, like if you're retired. I'm not minimizing. Like my response to Mary is, it's no big deal. Look at how much more shares we have. And we've got, you know, some, several more years to work it out. Maybe 20 years from now, the, the whole economy will be totally gone. But I laugh it off with Mary. If you're Mary's mom in your 80s, then you can't just, you know, maybe you can, but the loss is very real because you're drawing from that. And so I know that you're stressed about that, and our country's stressed. I know that if you lose your job, you wonder, where's the next job going to come from? And also, if you're wrestling with physical illness or whatever, troubles in your family, there's all kinds of lions that are trying to take a bite out of you. If you open your Bible this morning to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's going to teach us how to sleep with the lions. And I want you to learn how you can sleep quietly, and how the Lord can really give you peace. And it's, it's not just going to be dependent upon taking Ambien, but you're going to be able to have something that's even greater than an Ambien or something like that. And it begins with even in his 80s, Daniel is facing a new challenge. Our culture has thought for many, many years that you work until you're about 65, and then you play. And I want you to really understand, like, that's really being attacked. How many have heard discussion lately that that's not working out too very, very well? And what I want you to know is, and I, I, because I, I love you, I want you to realize that your Heavenly Father has given you breath. And He's given you legs, and He's given you arms, and, and He's given you eyes. And it's an incredible gift. And the Lord wants you to keep charging all the way till he calls you home, and it's the key to your health. It's very important to understand that. Mac, would you please stand up? Mac's one of our 80-year-olds. Mac, how old are you now? Do you mind if I ask you? I know he's proud of that, so let's give him a hand, okay? Now, I know you've all seen these stories of Daniel, this young, handsome guy getting thrown into the lion's den. You need to think of Mac, you add together 605 B.C., he was 14 or 15, and go to 538, and you don't have a 25-year-old guy that gets thrown into the lions. So even the fall into the lions, the Lord needed to protect him, like he wouldn't need to protect anybody. The very first thing about this text, if you're a teenager, if you're 25, if you're 35, if you're in your 80s, if you're in your 90s, the very first thing I want you to see is that Daniel still has breath 
and he's still charging. So we begin the chapter. Let's read it. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and let's see if we can get the new career challenge even after 80. It pleased Darius. Remember, Darius is the governor of the king that's been put by Cyrus over the king of Babylon, and he appointed 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. One of them was Daniel. And it says that the statutes were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Notice how they're setting up administration. So those of you that have jobs, like my friend that I did talk to on Thursday, is an administrator. That's one of his gifts. And if you have that gift, your Bible should connect with you. This is a kingdom that goes all the way from modern-day Turkey all the way over to the Hindus Valley. It's a new king on the block. And they're getting it organized. One of the gifts that's desperately needed in Midlothian Bible Church is administration. We have a ton of mouths. We have a ton of teachers. We don't have as many organizers. We need to learn to help one another. And that's something you could pray for, that the Lord will bring up those that know how to divide the kingdom and know how to get the right leaders into place. And so it's a major area of prayer, and I want you to see that it's right here in the Scripture. And Daniel evidently had that gift because it says, Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Even about 85, he has exceptional qualities. He's still gifted. He still has the Spirit of the living God in him. <clears throat> And it says that he was so exceptional that the king was going with plan to set him over all the kingdom. So at this time, the administrator of the satrap tried to find ground for charges against Daniel and his conduct of governmental affairs. I want you to look at this. Daniel in his 80s is invading the new government. Don't divide your church and your walk with Jesus from your career. There's no division. In fact, one of the things I want you to learn from the life of Daniel is that the spiritual life and your walk with God happens in your skill in knowing how to divide the kingdom, knowing how to put the right leaders into place, and knowing how to execute your job. Daniel is ruling over the empire that ruled the world. He's one of the top three people in it. So if you have those gifts, don't get divided from Jesus in the use of those gifts. The Lord wants to bless those. Daniel is your patron saint, if you want to. If you're, if you're out there and you're in administration or you're an executive or if you're an entrepreneur that's starting your own company and you need planning gifts, then Daniel's your patron saint. He is a prophet that in the next several weeks as we study the book of, of Daniel, the rest of it is going to give an incredible prophecies. But in this text, he's showing you how to live in Washington, D.C., you might say. Very, very important. Then it says this. It says his enemies, they looked at his conduct of governmental affairs, but notice they were unable to find any ground of charges against them. It developed it even further. They could not find any corruption in him. As we look carefully at this chapter, I want you to ask yourself, as I live as a school teacher, as I live as an executive, as I live as a worker at one of the steel plants, as I do my job, maybe I run a backhoe, in my construction business, in my cement business, in my school teaching business, is there any corruption? If my enemies wanted to take me out, if my enemies wanted to take me down, would there be grounds 
for taking me out because of corruption. Brothers and sisters, you're the one that holds the key to that. You hold the reputation of Jesus in your life. That's really where it happens. Where the power of Jesus is really brought to bear is not just what happens here as I teach you the Word of God. It's the result of the teaching of the Word lived in your marketplace. And the very first thing I want you to ask yourself is to be open before the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit convict you if there's corruption. And corruption is when you don't tell the truth. It's when you're like, for example... There was a big moral movement, and the Republican Party, for example, just use as an illustration, when Newt Gingrich went in, there was a mighty turnover. And a lot of you are very troubled because it looks like there's going to be a big turnover. Well, if you look really carefully, you're going to find out some of it's because of a crisis of corruption. You see, you can't stand against President Clinton's affairs in the White House and be having an affair yourself. It's corruption. That doesn't work. You see, I can't be attacking someone else if I am immoral. In the real world, people throw you out when you do that. And I want every young person to realize that you'll be told when you get power and when you have position and when you have the freedom, you can do whatever you want. You can't. If you're corrupt, then you're going to be thrown out. And sexual corruption, corruption with the way that we keep books. If you're an accountant, I want you to know Daniel is your patron saint. He's saying that as an accountant, you have a very important job, and you have, an, you have a responsibility to make sure that the books are honest, to make sure that the books are right, to make sure that you warn those that you're responsible to of trends that are coming. And that's what Daniel was doing. His enemies looked at his business ethics, and they didn't say, oh, these Jesus people. And back in those days, they would say, oh, these Messiah people. They talk about the Messiah coming, but you can't trust their word at all. So Daniel comes to us this morning and saying, if you want to know how to sleep with the lions, it begins just in your personal business and family and, and all of your life just living Monday through Saturday. And so I really want to bless you in that. And I want you to keep short accounts. You should ask yourself, if my enemies wanted to take me down, could they take me down because I don't really tell the truth or because I'm not really morally what I should be? Like we just had another pastor taken out in Dallas because of watching child porn. And that's a big, serious thing that gets a high profile. But, you know, that demeans, that hurts my Savior. That means that people that don't want to believe in the old rugged cross, people that don't believe in the resurrection, they laugh at that and they scorn it. But more tragically, it makes them turn farther away from my Savior who's going to be their only hope. And that's why it's so important that we get serious about that. Daniel was competent in a positive way. So as believers, I want to challenge you, you know, keep getting educated. Keep learning. You can't sit in life. Ecclesiastes tells you that life is going to constantly change, and you got to keep moving with that. you got to keep looking into the future for the next challenge so you get trained for that. You develop your competency, and even at 80, 
the secular world looks at one of God's children and says, we need their skills, we need their wisdom, we need their decision-making ability, and that's what I covet for so many of you to be blessed like that. On the negative side, we need to be really cautious about corruption. The NIV also uses a word that says that they couldn't find, it says he was, that they couldn't find any corruption or negligence. Negligence is a very convicting word. Like where it convicts me. Do I show up on time for meetings? If I say that I'm going to meet somebody for lunch or for an afternoon meeting or for a morning meeting, how many of you show up on time? Well, if you don't, you rob somebody. And you can, you can say till you're blue in the face, it's just the way I am. But you're, it's, that's negligence. If you do it in the military, those of you from a military background, and some of you are shaking your heads, you're not going to make it. I grew up with West Point cadets. My dad had a Bible study there. And one of the things they drill in the cadets is they got to be on time. Leon, isn't that right? You see, he's still got it. Yes, sir. I like that. Sounds good. Brothers and sisters in our church family, this is really important. There's little kids that will change your life. There's little kids that will get you able to sleep at night because you'll start to feel like, hey, I really do something. I change lives. Van Kent, after he retired, after he could have just gone and relaxed, he went and read to kids in the public school system every single day. It was one of his greatest joys. And for me as a pastor, it's one of the most sweet treasures to see the impact that Van had because when I first met him, he was just a rugged, you know, worker for the county and a big Mr. Texas. And you've heard that story how he jumped off a hay bale, he'd sent his spinal cord jammed and it made blood on top of his head, and they did Aztec surgery. They drilled into his head to release the blood. Before they drilled into his head, I went to see him in Baylor. He says, man, I'm going to get really totally right with Jesus before they drill my head. He never smoked again because his body was a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not legally, but man decided I'm not going to smoke because I want to preserve my lungs because I want to live as long as I can. And because of a lot of smoking, his emphysema did get him. But he lived a lot longer because he stopped smoking right then. And then the next thing I knew, he was reading to kids every day. Well, right here in our church family, our little kids throughout Midlothian are one of the greatest gifts that the Lord's giving to us. If you want to be a Daniel, the Lord's going to work in some of your lives to make you come alive like that. And you need to make a promise to do that, and then you need to do it. Because we're negligent. We say we'll do it, but we don't do it. And Daniel comes to us this morning and says, one of the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us is diligence. Don't feel guilty so that you just keep feeling badly. That's not what I'm telling you about. What I'm sharing this morning is I want you to be vibrant at 85. That's what I covet for you. I want you to still be alive. I want, when I do your funeral at 95, I want the place to be filled with kids and their parents 
I want the place to be filled with teenagers. I don't want to do your funeral and have three of your friends that you used to know 60 years ago that are the only ones left standing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because that's the way life really works. If you withdraw, if you stop being diligent, you stop staying engaged, you stop looking for that new challenge, then you end up being alone. So what the Lord wants to do, like one of the big challenges for the seniors is you need to look for the youngers and you need to get involved in their lives. And the youngers need to look for the seniors and get involved with their lives because that's what makes us alive. And Daniel's going to be the patron saint of I'm in my 80s, but I'm still right in the jaws of responsibility and challenge for the kingdom of God and living for the Lord Jesus and for the Messiah from his standpoint. The second thing I want you to see, the only thing his enemies could get him for, I've done enough meddling in my own life, because you can pray for me, that I won't grow weary and that I won't be negligent, that I won't not follow through in my commitments. I'm in the same boat that you are. So Daniel's preaching to me this morning, and he's challenging me, and he's showing me an ancient light that this is how you do it. So I want you to resist. One of the things I'm trying to kick totally out of your life today is your thinking and my thinking that you stay engaged till you're about 65 and then you're done because you will be done and you might it's totally permissible not to work at chaparral steel anymore but we want to pray with you about the new challenge and the new opportunities and the new thing for the kingdom, and the new lives to change, and the freedom of now being able to do that. An older guy last night that is retired says, I want to get together. We need to have breakfast because I want to talk about some of the new challenges. And he's talking about mission challenges and, and getting involved with people down in Mexico that the Lord's really using the touch, and the Lord's breathing excitement into his life and new challenges. That's what Daniel's showing to us. He's the patron saint of, of that kind of thinking. The second thing I want you to see is, if your enemies examine your life and they want to take you out, would they make the conclusion, the only thing that I can really get this person on is not corruption, not laziness, not because of incompetence. They got incredible skill. I'm going to have to get them about their personal quiet time. Now, the thing that believers wrestle with more than anything else is their personal time with the Lord. And the reason you all wrestle with that, and I wrestle with it so much, is because that's the most important thing, and Satan's a really sharp general, and he attacks your personal time with the Lord. I'd be willing to say that there's some of you that haven't opened up this book since last Sunday. And you can't sleep. And you're, you give in to corruption. And you do give in to laziness. And when I talk with you, you'll say, well, this just doesn't really work. I talk with people all the time. This Jesus stuff just doesn't work. Like, I've been asking the Lord Jesus to help me to get over my anger for the last 60 years. And I'm still like, a, like one of the lions in Daniel's pit doesn't work. I've been asking Jesus to help me to, you know, to not stretch the truth and to, to not be a liar. And man, I, I, I asked the Lord 35 years ago, and I still do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've really been asking the Lord to help me to be on time. Don't do it. I'm going to share with you. 
I, I've lived with Jesus since the time I was a little bitty kid. And all my life I hear, it don't work. And I want to share with you. What Daniel does works. What Daniel does works. So maybe hardly any of you will listen. And you might keep right on not having a disciplined time in the Word. That's your business. And I still will come and see you in the hospital when you're all depressed and you're all stressed out and you're all alone because I love you. And some of you will face that because we do go through hard times and they're not always our own fault. But the bi- I want you to know what we close with today is really important because I really wanted to stop and before we finish the historical section just to really sit on Daniel's life, because he has so much offers. Look what it says. So the administrators and the satraps, one is a group to the king. I think it's really probably just the other two. The Greek text said it's only the two other major guys, and they're liars, so they kind of stretch things a little bit. And one of the contrasts in this chapter is between Daniel's integrity and the satraps' non-integrity. It says, they go to, O King Darius, live forever. Watch out for enemies that butter up the boss. As a, as a believer, don't ever ever try to manipulate somebody through that kind of speech. Nothing wrong with saying, oh, king, live forever, but they want to appeal to his pride. One of the things I want you to learn from this chapter that's full of human wisdom is watch out for people that appeal to your pride. Darius, we're not going to get too much into this, but Darius gets conned because he cares about his titles. And he's very susceptible when someone challenges him about, oh, king, live forever. He's full of himself. All of us are. And wicked con artists appeal to your pride to get you to do stupid things. Wicked con artists appeal to your pride to get you to do stupid things. Oh, king, Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should have an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except you, O king, appealing to his pride, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Was that the truth? How many of you think Daniel was consulted on this matter? So what did they just do? Everybody tell me. They just... Thou shalt not bear, thou shalt not lie. My brothers and sisters in Christ, your culture tells you that people don't lie. They are really good people, and they are very well-meaning, and people really don't lie. Well, I got news for you. The Bible is real, and it's true. And you got to realize in whatever position you have, that people can look at you right in the eye and they can tell we've consulted all the satraps, we've all decided, all the governors of Persia have decided that you're going to be prayed to, O king. No other God except you. No other person. Just for 30 days. Not a big deal, just for 30 days. They lie. Now, why did they do that? Because they knew. It says, uh, now, O king, issue the decree and put it into writing so they cannot be altered. It's the law of the Medes and Persians. So King Darius put it into writing. He was duped. 
Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish the decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, will be thrown to the lion's den? And then the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians. And we'll pick up the story the next time. But what I want you to see, Daniel, when the king gave a decree, how do you live in a culture and a government that begins to attack you? And Daniel shows you how to do it. Daniel doesn't take his placard out. Darius is an idiot. Darius is seeking to destroy the worship of the true God. That's what a lot of us do. We become obnoxious evangelicals. And Daniel has a great secret. Daniel just keeps right on living for Jesus the way he always did. And so I come to you today. Daniel had been having his quiet time three times a day. Now, there's no law, even in the Old Testament. There's a psalm, like Psalm 55 talks about evening prayers and noonday prayers and, and uh, morning prayers, noonday prayers and evening prayers. There's a lot of stress in the rabbinic literature about morning prayers and evening prayers at the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. But there's no law that says you need to pray. But a good way to make your whole day holy is that you begin the day with the Lord, that you, at noon, you stop and you touch base with the Lord to make sure you're walking with him. And then you, before you go to sleep, you connect with the Lord again. That's what Daniel illustrates. What Daniel's saying is that three times a day, he got out, and I know, like, he took the scroll of Jeremiah, because later on, we get in the prophetic section, he's going to take the scroll of Jeremiah, and he knows that the seven years' captivity is almost up. So what Daniel does is he gets down on his knees, and he opens the scroll, and three times a day, facing towards Jerusalem, get it right, he gets down on his knees, and he reads the scroll. Now, dads, every one of my brothers and sisters love Jesus. My mom had nervous breakdowns. She was, had over 20 operations. My dad was often not home. But then one of the dominant pictures of my dad, thinking about this chapter, my dad, every morning when I got up, was on his knees with an open Bible in front of him, every morning. My dad died about, back in 96. When I think of my dad, one of the dominant images I have of my dad is down on his knees with a red Bible, with a red pen, because he said the Bible should be read. Now, my dad did it. I, I've been honest with you. I, I, my dad was far from perfect. But my dad was in his 80s, still proclaiming the gospel, because he followed. When he received Jesus as a young man at 19, he said, I'm going to be like Daniel. Word of Life, one of Word of Life's greatest legacies was it's called a quiet time. And a quiet time means that you, you have a time every day where you read the Bible. So as I close today, 
Like, you're in a church family. Our church family, like, there's a lot of church families that you can go to that will have great evangelism, probably a lot better than ours, and that's another gift that I'm really praying the Lord will breathe into. And by the way, 11 middle schoolers received Christ on Wednesday night, a couple uh, Wednesday nights ago, and this Wednesday the Lord worked again. So we have the spirit of evangelism here, and I want you to know if you don't know Christ, that's we're passionate for you to come to know Christ. But, you know, you're in a church family where if you really want to get into the word and to hear God's voice, you can do it. Lane is a great writer. Lane's presentation that I mentioned to you last week about Nebuchadnezzar being mad, you'll never read a more powerful description of what Nebuchadnezzar experienced and what Lane wrote a couple weeks ago. But you know what? Some of you never read it. Now, I want to share with you something. You don't need to read that, but the question I am going to ask you, if your enemies were trying to take you down, would the one thing that they could get you for was every single day you connect with your God. Every single day, you open up God's word and you let him talk to you and you let him change you and you let him meet you. I want the Lord to create a host of Daniel's and I want this because I love you. And Daniel had a commitment. He committed to meet the Lord in the morning and at noon, and at night. So as I've been talking to you, maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about, I haven't been disciplined in that area. I come on Sunday morning, I receive a really great meal, or maybe you've been sitting there going, so, you know, to be honest with you, my life really isn't that close. It's not going to be close to the Lord until you discipline yourself. For example, I tell Mary over and over again that I love her. And I often, almost every day of the week, I meet guys for lunch, for breakfast, real early. And it's really easy for me to blast home and just go right into the rest of my meetings or the rest of my schedule or the rest of my teaching. But Mary and I, over the years, it's, honey, do you want to have a cup of coffee on the back porch? And we go out on our back porch and we have a cup of coffee. Now, I want you to know something. We love each other, but if we never stop and have a cup of coffee on the front porch, it ain't going to happen. We're not going to be close. We're not going to be connected. We're going to get angry with each other. We're going to start growing apart. We're going to be like a lot of friends that I'm hearing that they're grandparents and they're going to get divorced. And some of you are really worried. How did that ever happen? It's because you don't connect personally. And it begins with not connecting vertically with the Lord. I also talked to you today about the challenge to be a Daniel of living without corruption in the marketplace. So if some of you, as we close this service, I'm going to ask you, if you'd say, Dave, I want to make Daniel my patron saint. I want to get up and go to my career, and I want the Spirit of God 
to help me to follow the example of Daniel, that I'm not going to be negligent. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to keep growing in my skills. And then I'm going to follow Daniel in the second commitment of I'm going to connect with the Lord, his God, the God that's there on a regular basis. I'm going to have a personal daily time with him. 